Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing today? I think we're doing okay. How am I doing? I feel like I may be laggy a little. Well, you know, we're working through some challenges as we, as we work on uh, all things digital improvement around here. I think you look great, man. You look like a million dollars. Thanks, man. Uh, look, I think as Catherine said, the internet just needs to warm up a little bit. And <laughs> I believe that I that say, actually happens. I should say $2 million, you know, inflation and all. But uh, <laughs> you, you look great. <laughs> you look great. And looking forward to a big conversation today. Greg, as you know, it is the Supply Chain Buzz every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time where we share some of the leading stories, some of the big movers and shakers across global business. Today, we're going to be uh, discussing a variety of topics and talk about movers and shakers. We've got a big special guest joining us around 1225, Keith Andre with UPS. Greg, yeah, uh, a, a titan, huh? Yeah, well, president of, of one of the divisions at UPS, so uh, yes. We better be on our best behavior. Right. Or mostly I better. <laughs> well, you know, we got a lot. That we'll be talking uh, air cargo. We'll be talking friend shoring uh, and, and a lot more. So don't miss this. Um, if, you, uh, if you've got one eye on email and one eye on the news, make sure you bring them both back here at 1225 as we bring on our special guest around that. And, hey, as always, Greg. We want to hear from folks in the cheap seats, in the skyboxes, whatever we want to call it here today. Maybe the the seven fifty five club, maybe the we should, level, we should start yes, calling the it. club level. <laughs> uh, so, folks, drop in your comments uh, throughout the next hour, and we're going to share as many of those as we can get to. Um, okay, and we're going to get we're going to say give a few shout outs in just a minute. But Greg, first, I want to hit a couple of quick events, and then we're going to keep driving. How's that sound? Sounds good. Uh, we need Clay to continue his greeting. Welcome all. Yes. And what day is it, Clay? <laughs> Come on. Right. <laughs> Clay's like a deacon today, huh? He's doing a lot of greeting and showing people where they're sitting and all That's that right. good stuff. That's right. <laughs> okay. But hey, kidding aside, folks, uh, one of our um, uh, honorable initiatives around here that we're very passionate about is uh, supporting this initiative here, Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine. Uh, Greg, uh, in the numbers we got last week, these collective efforts with uh, Vector Global Logistics and a variety of partners have sent 325,000 pounds of humanitarian aid to folks in need. This is vetted aid. I mean, they told us exactly what they need yep. and working with a collection of folks to get it where it, need, where it needs to go. Uh, the next planning session is tomorrow, Tuesday, August 9th, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We'd love for you to come. You don't no obligation to do anything other than just sit in and listen uh, as coordination continues. So y'all check that out tomorrow, uh, August 9th at 11 a.m. And, uh, Greg, we've got an upcoming webinar this week, too, August 10th. Sustainability and profitability, the ripple effect of shipping less air. So y'all join us for that uh, with our friends Packard and Stored, uh, August 10th. Uh, that is Thursday. Uh, no, check that. That's Wednesday, Wednesday, August yeah. 10th. Uh, we're talking August. Someone changed the dates on August, Greg? No, they've always been. 
if, <laughs> since the beginning of time, August 10th, yeah. Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern time. Air, the most expensive commodity in supply chain. <laughs> Worth nothing. No. Right? It still takes up space. Oh, no kidding. Can't even no see kidding. it. <laughs> Doesn't make a noise when it uh, hit the, hits the floor. <laughs> but we love shipping it. Um, okay. Well, let's say hello to a few folks, and then we're going to dive into a couple of stories before we welcome in our special guest. Uh, stay tuned for this next hour. We're going to, it's going to be fast moving and a lot of heavy hitting perspective. So want to say hello to uh, Jonathan's back with us, the super planner from Louisiana. Greg, I bet he had a great weekend. What you think? Well, unquestionably, yeah. I, I hope so. Let's find out. Jonathan, let us know how your weekend was. Of course, Josh Goody holds down the West Coast for us uh, from uh, beautiful Seattle. Josh, how you doing today? Uh, speaking of that upper uh, Northwest, sorry, I had to get my direct, uh, geographical bearings. Kyle Garcia is with us, and I believe he's still up in uh, the Oregon area. Kyle, help me out here. Uh, let us know where you're tuned in from, and great to see you here uh, via LinkedIn. Greg, we mentioned the Deacon or the Diesel, whatever you want to call, refer to Clay here today, making it happen. Uh, he's brokenhearted with me after the Braves dropped four of five games to the Mets. Not a good weekend. Painful. Yeah. What are they, six and a half back now, right? Yes. Yes. We're closer to the Phillies in third place than we are to Mets in first. But hey, Ouch. optimism still abounds. We'll see Scherzer, how the rest of the season. Scherzer was awesome. Gosh. Oh, that you know the also, Mets he's one clearly of those pitchers that get strikes that aren't strikes. You know, yes, like Tom yes. Glavin. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, no comment. I can't complain. In, uh, we, as Braves right, fans, can't we complain, can't complain. But the guy never threw a strike in his career. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Catherine, great to have you here. Happy Monday for my warmed up internet. Thank you. Greg. Thanks for keeping ours warmed up as well. <laughs> Gary Smith, the uh, the legend. Uh, we're all members of the Gary Ooh. Smith fan club here in Atlanta. Soon Hello, to be everyone. from the Golden Isles. That's right. That's right. You know, he, uh, if I'm, um, it's been a little while since I connected with Gary, but he is a Georgia Tech grad, been doing big things in supply chain for a number of years, been in, up in New York for quite some time. And it's good to see he's going to be headed back south to St. Simon's Island soon. I'm sure, you know, just port research. He's not retiring or, you know, dialing it back right. in, or anything like that. Port research. <laughs> port research. I love it. Uh, Helmet. Great, uh, well, I missed one. Uh, Shelly, great to have you back. I have really enjoyed all of your uh, contributions during these live streams. Good morning, she says, from the home of Coors Beer, Colorado, of course, uh, via LinkedIn. Look forward to your perspective today. Beer. Greg? Yes, the banquet beer. Yes, nice. Nice. Whatever that Helmet. means. <laughs> <laughs> right. Helmet, great to have you here. Uh, enjoyed your social contributions and, of course, what you share here. Ready for a new episode. Uh, I'm trying to sound out his... Daga, daga, da. Yes. There you go. Um, <laughs> it almost sounded like Buck Rogers there. But, Helmet, uh, great to have you back. Looking forward to your contributions uh, let's see here. Gene Pledger, old GP from North Alabama, is back with us. Good morning to you. Uh, the the um, I'm, never on, get this right. I'm on Doc Holiday. Doc, the Doc Holiday of supply chain. Fred Tolbert is here. He's a huckleberry. It's a hot, hot August day, which means it's a great day to be in supply chain. Uh, Fred, great to see you via LinkedIn. 
and appreciate all the good work you're doing mentoring the now generation uh, yeah. in supply chain. T squared holding down to Fort Force on YouTube. He says, good Monday, folks. Bring on the supply chain management nourishment, and hopefully UPS will have some Worldport and ATL Super Hub on this one. T-squared, dropping the insider knowledge. We'll mm. see. We'll see if Keith wants to weigh in on some, some of these things. Great to see you, though. Portland. Kyle Garcia from Portland. I ah, knew that, Kyle. The 90s are alive and well in Portland. <laughs> Great to see you here. Uh, Raheel from Barcelona via LinkedIn. Hello, hello. Shinto via uh, LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Great to have you here. Hey, Joey's back from Minnesota. Great to see you via LinkedIn, Joey. I've really enjoyed uh, your sense of humor and contributions. Man, we got a full house today. James Walker from Sierra Leone. So excited to be part of this thrilling session. Greg, you, have you ever been accused of being thilling? Never. <laughs> James. I've been accused Greg. of a lot of things, but never thrilling. <laughs> James, looking forward to hearing uh, uh, from you as we work through our topics here today. Okay. Well, Greg, with no further ado, I want to jump into the first topic. Uh, how's that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I've been doing a little research while we've been greeting everyone here. So hopefully I can get the good. camera to focus on it. I'll sh get. I'll show everybody. <laughs> You're always, you can do about nine things at once. I've always been very impressed. But hey, today I, I want to start with mediocrity, the Scott. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I want to start today's discussion with a trend that, Greg, we've been talking about for quite some time, right? Mm -hmm. More freight coming into East Coast ports here in the U.S. So as reported here by CNBC, shippers continue to shift freight to the East Coast and away from the West Coast for a variety of reasons, but chief amongst them are labor concerns. Of course, with the shift in freight patterns come new challenges. In Savannah, for instance, which is just down the road from Greg, uh, waiting times are up from one day in May to 13 days plus presently. How about that? Wow. And Greg, get this. Uh, due to automation and other factors, a container ship in China will be offloaded in less than a day. But here in the U.S., ports can take uh, four to six days. And of course, automation is a hot topic uh, in the ports right this moment. But Greg, your take on these freight patterns let's see if i can give everybody a visual on so nice sorry, sorry for the that is what it looks like the green little dots those are ships the red ones are um are oil tankers and the kind of pink ones those are yachts so those people are having fun but notice there are a lot more people waiting for 13 days than having fun so mm -hmm. um just to give you an idea that is what it looks like out there off of the coast of Georgia and South Carolina. Um, so, I, you know, it's been, it's been a challenge, right? Uh, as more and more ships have moved to Houston and Jacksonville and Savannah and Charleston, and I think even to the New York and New Jersey ports, um, right. Um, it's, it's become a challenge for everyone. And then, uh, a report we got from Savannah some time back was that they had a lift down uh, uh, one of their um, entire areas, I think, where they offload ships had gone down. So that had, had really slowed them and started this back up. It went from kind of maybe three to five ships to that's about 37 ships waiting offshore of Savannah right now. So yep. over the horizon. So they don't they don't bother anyone's view on the beach, but uh, but they are out there and you can see the lights at night. For sure. 
Waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, moving forward in weeks and months ahead um, to see how the East Coast and the East Coast ports continue to make adjustments because, uh, you know, they, they're, they're, they're happy. They want to keep winning more and more freight, right? But, uh, but backups are going to help them do that. I mean, right? We can't solve one set of backups with a whole bunch of others. And uh, and I think the the California ports are st- Long Beach and L.A. They're starting to come back around, right? So, you know, may- point. maybe what we start to do is spread out the uh, deliveries across the states. Now, you, you, it's best to be able to provision for that. Because you also want your chassis inland and, you know, um, the ability to get to inland ports to consolidate and deconsolidate and all of that. So um, there's probably some change to come. But uh, this may be a good thing that has us kind of smear demand across across more ports. Right. Yeah. We'll keep our finger on the pulse as things continue to evolve in the macro and micro or maybe vice versa, but what have you. Well, and, um, and hey, I think hopefully we rise to the challenge of being able to offload these ships much, much more quickly, right? We use a right. ton of labor to do it today. Labor in that particular area of the of the supply chain is very difficult to come by. I actually commented on an article today uh, about that. So, so uh, and, and gosh, labor, whether it's ports or fulfillment centers across global supply chain, maybe global business. Yeah. Yeah. Transportation. It's all uh, a challenging time right now, but I want to shift gears. Uh, no pun intended, although it would be mm-hmm. very apropos. Uh, so Greg bringing this back into picture. And by the way, that's it. You know, despite some of the challenges we're going to talk about, that's a good looking truck. It is a good looking uh, ride, isn't it? Yeah. So, so um, Greg, a lot of folks enjoyed one. So you do a supply chain summary commentary uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on LinkedIn. And man, what you dropped last week, I think it was last Wednesday, on what's going on at Rivian caught a lot of folks' eye. Uh, a lot of comments, a lot of views, you name it. So for the sake of time today, give us a Reader's Digest version uh, of your take here. Well, the re- Reader's Digest version is that $11 billion were invested in Rivian before it went public, and its its valuation is twenty eight billion dollars, which is about three fifths of the valuation of Ford, and they've produced nine thousand vehicles. So wow. that's that is the Reader's Digest, and for those of you um, not born in nineteen fifty, that means a very condensed version <laughs> of the story. Um, so I got to update my analogies, don't I, what, Greg? But what is there? I mean, even UST. <laughs> You could say the UST, USA Today version, which was like three bullet points. Even that's gone. So <laughs> I, I, how do you condense things these days? The Twitter version, that's a little bit too condensed and too angry. Ah, yes. <laughs> but, you know, Rivian continues. Uh, you know, the supply chain I- uh, issues that they and many others are facing continue to persist. And, you know, Greg, you know, we're both, both based um, – I've got roots, at least in Georgia. Uh, uh, And, you know, here it hits home because Rivian and the state of Georgia had a deal in place, have a deal in place. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly where it stands today. But a $5 billion plant to open near Covington, Georgia, which was set to create some 7,500 jobs. And and as you and I have chatted about, you know, there's there's, um, a good bit of local opposition uh, in terms of where they're going to put that plant and and how – is that, uh, right, is that yeah. right? 
In fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, last week could, could have been the week before last week, but a um, uh, there's as you might imagine, there's lots of lawsuits percolating, and uh, one judge at least paused some of the actions as he's as he or she was hearing some of the complaints of uh, uh, some of the local contingents. So hey, you know, rarely do you get everybody you know 100 support of a lot of these developments. But but any, any anything else you want to add about um, Rivian, the valuation, the operational issues, you name it. I mean, what, what's your thoughts? You think the plants, we're going to see that uh, in the next couple of years? Is it going to come to fruition? Well, you know, they announced some layoffs recently, about 6% of their sales force. I think they announced that over the weekend. But just since that article last Monday, their market cap is up, please hold, approximately $4 billion, which would just about wow. pay for that plant if – if people want the work uh, in Georgia. So, um, you know, I think it's a very fluid situation. Look, the point of that article really was we keep throwing money at companies that um, don't seem to have their act together. Mm, And mm. I mean, this, this is a company that had a configurator on their website that for instance, allowed you to customize the vehicle. And this is really what got my ire up. It allowed you to customize the vehicle, but it didn't limit the customizations based on what they could actually deliver. You could actually order Mm. a car, have 10 customizations and nine of them could not have been provided yet. They still showed them to you. And that seemed like a big miss to me for any level of company, but certainly for one that had $11 billion in capital before they were even public. So Wow, I, I think that as much of the story is that we need to help these visionaries who are usually the people that start companies like Riven, Rivian to to have some greater operational gifts. And um, and I think investors uh, like Ford um, need to get more involved. They they could have said, hey, you know, we stopped mass customization in the 70s, by the way. Um, but if you do have customization, at least make sure you have the stuff on hand that people are ordering. Right. Right. And that always r- reminds me of uh, that rumored response that Henry Ford gave way back uh, in the day when, when he was being asked, what color can we get our Model T in? Any Anything color. you want, as, as long, long as it's black. black. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> color of the Model T. Right. Um, and let's think about what an innovation the horseless carriage was. What did people want? I mean, this is this is what visionaries do, though, right? What did right. people ask Henry Ford for? A faster horse. A faster right? horse, right? What he did was he tucked a bunch of horsepower into this little metal thing and then put it in a cart. And there it came, the horseless carriage with 25 Fast. horsepower, right? <laughs> well, Greg, I am so proud of you, as Shelly says. Uh, you did give us the TikTok version there it of is. the Rivian TikTok story. TikTok could do it. Yes. Absolutely. It's got uh, reason, and folks, you need to be a TikTok star. <laughs> no. Uh, as uh, our team, I want to give you all make sure everyone knows we dropped the um, the link to Greg's take, fuller take on Rivian uh, in the comments. Uh, his LinkedIn, that's where you'll find his supply chain summers every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'd love for you all to jump on there. And give us your take in particular. You'll see a lot of uh, takes and observations on the Rivian story. Uh, by the way, hello, Byron. Great to see you here. Great to have you back. Uh, enjoy your contributions, especially last week with um, Mike Griswold and Gartner. You had some uh, elegant takes on Bill Russell as we were looking back yeah. on his legendary uh, career and journey. 
And Josh, we'll, we'll put this out to folks. Uh, Josh says, has a, have a question for the semi and train rail folks. Have there been any major infrastructure updates to support the increase of flow from east to west? Um, so we'll we'll see. I think he's talking about the flow of the freight from the east ports out to all points west rather than the flow of the freight patterns, you know, if going from uh, calling on west ports, west coast ports to east coast ports. So it's a great question. Put that out there and and we'd welcome everyone's observations. Okay. I want to give a quick signal, Greg. To we're going to have a couple of bonus minutes with our guests yeah. today. Um, uh, we got through both of those stories, you know, Greg. I had you allocated for about twenty-five minutes on the Rivian story, uh, <laughs> and we got through it so efficiently. I got more to say if you want to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I tell you what, I want to. I encourage think we covered people. the the top points. Yes, that's right. And again, I want to encourage people to uh, have your say. You know, bring your voice, drop it on that LinkedIn post, and we'd love to get your take. You know, maybe next week we can review some of those responses. We got a lot of uh, and a lot of sharp people. Uh, I think we got the sharpest audience uh, in the world here at Supply Chain Now. Okay, so Greg, are we ready to bring in our guest today? I'm excited to talk uh, with uh, Keith. Are you ready to go, Greg? Yeah, let's do it. Ready to do it. Yeah. All right. So formally, I want to welcome in Keith Andre, president of UPS U.S. Operations and Freight Forwarding. Hey, hey, Keith, how we doing? Good. How are you doing there, Scott? Greg? Doing wonderful. Yeah, uh, great to aboard. see you. Enjoyed. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to enjoy one of the pre-show conversations as much. Had a little uh, uh, digital connection uh, problems, but. Greg, we found out a couple things about Keith in the pre-show here today, including something that we might can touch on about uh, y'all's mutual love for motorcycles, huh? Yeah, and he's got a pretty sweet ride. I, I didn't, I was not familiar with uh, the Triumph Three, uh, but that is a beautiful bike. A, a buddy of mine had, I think, the precursor to that that bike, and wow, what a beautiful ride that is! Yes, I'm so oh, jealous. Sorry, so Keith is a motorcycle <laughs> enthusiast. Uh, and Keith was describing his his weekend uh, exploits. And Keith, you got some uh, some riding in that last weekend, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, so went up to uh, the Georgia mountains. So uh, I have a Triumph Rocket Three R Black, uh, the second generation. So a uh, little lighter than the old one, a lot faster, uh, very enjoyable ride. So. Man, I'm jealous, Keith. Uh, and it was a, it was a gorgeous, a little bit. I would say my wife, I think. Amanda might disagree with me. Saturday morning, at least, we got a little brief respite, if I said that right, from the humidity. It was a little less humid, at least where, where we, we were in uh, Athens at the farmer's market. So, Keith, I bet it was a gorgeous day to ride. Yeah, fantastic up in northern Georgia when it's not rainy and it's not three 100 degrees. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. it was uh, it was a fun time. Because so, you are, you are uh, sitting on a on a heater when you're on your when you're going around so. yeah that's uh that's 2500 cc's in that motorcycle Ooh, yeah. so it puts out a lot of heat so. man um all right well uh one other thing before we start uh to talk air cargo and, and other things with you here today keith uh one other fun question i want to pose to you because it's it's elvis week it's elvis week around the globe he has a full week uh dedicated to his uh legendary status so two two-part question here Keith, have you seen 
the big movie that that's winning accolades uh, from around the world, Focus on Elvis, and secondly, your favorite Elvis tune. So, Keith, uh, the answer is no. I've not seen the movie, but I'm more of a Led Zeppelin fan than I am a, <laughs> a Elvis fan. So uh, now well, that they dress a little I, like Elvis on certain tours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's in Scott. I'm waiting for that week. I'm waiting for the Led Zeppelin Led week Zep to come week? up, and I'll be all over that. Um, I, I think I do have a couple of songs in my uh, yeah. in my uh, library. I think uh, Heartbreak Hotel, yeah, uh, in the ghetto, Jailhouse Rock, and I think Are You Lonesome Tonight? Oh, those <laughs> are great ones. So, do you sing those, those Keith? Do you any any uh, any chance we'll get you to sing one today? No, you'll lose all your uh, all your attendees <laughs> the call. So they'll that'll be it. That'll be it for supply chain now. <laughs> It'll all be just supply chain then, huh? <laughs> um, all right. So, so Greg, uh, I tell you, he had, he had a nice collection of tunes, yeah. and I bet we could have a full Led Zepp conversation with Keith. But, Greg, have you seen the movie, and what's your favorite tune? Have seen the movie. Austin Butler, I think is his name. Absolute genius. I mean, I have actually, I actually um, have seen so many of the videos. That my mother was a huge Elvis fan, and I've seen so many of the videos of him performing in Vegas and elsewhere. And I mean, there was a there was a scene in the movie where I had to do a double take and go, is that actually Elvis or is that the actor wow. doing it? I mean, it was that good. And also, if you didn't hate Colonel Parker, complete scam artist, by the way, if you didn't hate him before, you definitely will after this movie and the hatred is well earned. So um, my my favorite Elvis song is a little less conversation, a little more action. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. That's a great one, uh, Greg. Um, all right. Let me hit a couple quick comments. And then, Keith, we're going to dive in. Uh, me and Greg are going to dive in with you on Air Cargo and a couple other things going on across global business. Uh, Manjunatea, I believe, is how we pronounce that. If I got it wrong, I apologize. Let us know. when we get everybody's names right. Uh, says Cargo Exports, uh, Supply Chain Management, booming right now. Trade is certainly uh, trade is certainly booming uh, across the supply chain world. Uh, Kyle, thank you, appreciate that. Always, uh, you're too kind, Kyle, too kind. Um, and Sayantin, uh, Sayantin, uh, thanks for giving me an opportunity to participate as a viewer. Hey, hey, we want to hear from you. Be more than a viewer. Love for you to weigh in on what um, you hear today and give us your take. Um, speaking of Greg and Keith. Uh, speaking of takes, I want to get into one of your areas of expertise, Keith, um, air cargo, right? Air cargo world has been really experiencing quite a market the last couple of years. Uh, and I want to lay out a couple of quick um, uh, facts to share with folks as we kind of table set a bit. Um, 66 million metric tons being shipped through the air uh, in 2021. That number is expected to crest over 69 million metric tons in 2022. But Keith, for some of our listeners, and we'll get to this article in just a second, for some of our listeners, uh, they may not have as much direct um, experience you know, working in air cargo. I told you and Greg, uh, pre-show, all of my little bit of experience came in the Air Force, in the military, right? Uh, loading refuelers where they carry some of the cargo, um, not in the belly, but in wherever the they call the, the passenger section. Cabin. Thank you, Greg. Uh, technical term there. Uh, but Keith, what's... Um, you know, what's one thing that might surprise folks that that aren't don't know as much about the air cargo world? Yeah, I think the the first thing I can think of is uh, the third parties. 
there are more third parties uh, executing uh, the move on behalf of the forwarder and the airline. And as a result of that, there's third parties who give things to other third parties, who give things to other third parties. And I think most people think it's just the forwarder in the airline, and it's not. It's the forwarder, the airline, and all the airline partners, and all the forwarder partners that make up a very, very complicated uh, supply chain. So I think that's one of the things people don't realize. And even when customers were concerned about what was happening during COVID, you know, where you had CFS operations that were understaffed and they would say, mm. hey, just change the airline. But the problem is, is both airlines are sharing the same CFS, you know, wow. operator uh, in the uh, whatever airport that that is. So I think it's that education is probably something that's not well understood. Uh, and that's been happening over the last decade. You know, when I like you made the reference to the Air Force, the Air Force back when you were in it was doing everything soup to nuts. But over time, even the military, as well as in forwarding and in the airlines, that's all gone to components of it being more and more outsourced. Interesting. So. Interesting. Uh, Greg, uh, what I hear, some of what I hear there from Keith, um, I learned a couple new things there just in the last couple minutes. But every turn, complexity, complexity, complexity. Greg, we can't get a break, can we? Yeah, I'm curious. Is that, I, I mean, this is more question than answer, Keith. That complexity is that legacy process or is that completely necessary? I mean, is, is there a way to streamline that in some way? Yeah, I think when, when the supply chains were more stable, the idea of reducing costs by sharing non-mission critical components of your business was very, very popular. But once the supply chain was tested and unemployment um, got tighter and finding people to do the job and you had COVID, that exposed a lot of challenges within uh, the uh, airline industry. So just the sheer amount of cancellations, additions, short notice additions to the schedules stressed those groups uh, pretty significantly. And in that example that I used, you know, you have one third party, but the problem is universal to three, four or five different airlines. And that complexity of it, I think, is legacy to efficiency and that impacted once the supply chain became uh, more volatile mm. uh, and less predictable. If that's uh, your last phrase there, uh, volatility and unpredictability, goodness gracious, we've been living it and breathing it. Um, all right. But hey, folks, Greg and Keith and to all of our dear uh, listeners and viewers, there's some good news. And I want to bring up this article here from Air Cargo News. So according to Air Cargo News, a survey of industry practitioners and Air Forward and the Air Forwarders Association members say that 2023 is looking like a great year. Um, well, at least the first half of 2023. So it, hopefully, um, Keith, we're getting you know, maybe being able to take a breath uh, second half of this year, maybe moving into next year. Your thoughts on on what uh, this survey is projecting? Yeah, I tend to be a, a little bit more pessimistic, I think, uh, than the article. Uh, I think uh, historically, you know, the whenever there's been an increase of inflation, you've really seen a, re a reduction in spending and a reduction in associated demand. I think the wild card, though, is you have low unemployment, you have... Um, uh, you know, a, a accumulated spending power of of uh, of the consumer due to COVID. Uh, so there's a lot of wild cards 
that changed that equation a little bit. But historically, when you've seen rise of inflation, there was always a period of spending and, and less demand during that, that time period. So um, I'm expecting my own view end of 2023 is probably more realistic, maybe early 2024, that you'll really see some strong recovery uh, from where we're at. Okay. That's good. That's good, Greg, to, to have a um, uh, be conservative and a bit pessimistic about uh, these, uh, by any economic or industry projection. Your, your thoughts, Greg? Well, Keith has no nothing to gain by overshooting, right? I mean, truthfully, <laughs> he's doing it. He's doing it day to day, right? Whereas, you know, you, you look at things like the Air Forwarders Association, kind of like the real realtor, real estate associations, they're, of course, they're optimistic because they're hopeful, right? They're hopeful for their constituency. They're hopeful for their members, you know, and they try to believe beyond belief that, that uh, everything will continue to go up. And, and um, there are all kinds of in- indicators to the uh, alternative and Keith every day. So um, I think it's great to be able to have these perspectives, not just from associations and government agencies and things like that, but from the people who are actually living it every day. I wonder if there's anybody in the air freight industry out there on the show today that could give us their take on it. It'd be really interesting to hear that, wouldn't it, guys? Great call out. Uh, folks, let us know what you're seeing, especially when it comes to air cargo. And if you want to be bold and offer up a, a prediction, projection for the next uh, couple of years, that would be wonderful. Uh, I think we, we dropped the link to the air cargo news article in the comments. So, folks, y'all can check that out uh, on your own. Hey, Keith, before we move over to this notion of friend shoring, any final thoughts uh, with what you, you, you know, of, of this this interesting, unique time we've been going through as a global supply chain, maybe specifically about air cargo or where we're headed? Any final thoughts, Keith? Yeah, sure. I think I'll talk, and Greg can probably weigh into this too, but the forwarders tend to do really well when there's supply chain disruption. Mm. Uh, that's when the value of the forwarder really shines, and it's where the customers value who they're dealing with the most. And then, so if you look at the results of a lot of the freight forwarders coming in right now, they've all been really, really well during this period of time. And that's a move to value uh, during a crisis. And that's where, you know, we do well. When it's very sustainable and consistent and predictable, that's when the procurement side of the organizations we do business with kick in. And that's when the dollars start getting squeezed out of the supply chain. So right now it's like, hey, do whatever it takes to get my product on the shelf or do whatever right. it takes to get the raw material to the factory, that's going to shift when demand shifts and it's going to go back to, hey, let's have the most efficient, predictable supply chain we can have. Mm. And that evolution is going to happen like it has for the last you know, four or five decades. So uh, we're going to see that. And, uh, and, but I think you know, during as more volatility it has, the forwarders tend to do better uh, and you know, once that gets to be normalized, then that's when it tightens up and, and that uh, that shifts. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Uh, appreciate that clarification. Those thoughts, uh, Greg. Your final thoughts here? Yeah. Well, it's coming, isn't it? I um I just recently read an article that said, okay, this is not a leading indicator or anything, but it is indicative, right? Um, Chipotle is seeing more wealthy people buying food at Chipotle as they issue going to luxury restaurants and go instead to Chipotle. And they're seeing more of their mid 
level folks, right, uh, kind of fall out of of buying Chipotle, maybe cooking at home. Interesting. Or, God forbid Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> but, but we're starting to see those shifts. I'm curious. I mean, I don't know what you guys are seeing, but I'm I'm pulling back big time, uh, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people are. You know, let, let me um, – so I've never been confused for an economist, uh, and Keith, you should know that too because Greg already, already knows that. But uh, I mentioned the farmer's market. You know, we, we, we went to a different farmer. You know, usually we were, you can find us uh, in Monroe, beautiful downtown Monroe at the farmer's market. Went to a different one over the weekend. And the very first thing that got my attention from the, the breakfast biscuit, I got one of my kids to perusing all the – man, the prices – Across the board, the prices, uh, and you know, a lot of times these a farmers market, you can get bargains galore. But that man, that was across the board. And uh, Greg, that probably probably parallels nicely with what you just shared. And uh, Keith, whether it's whether we like it or not, uh, challenging pricing environment out there, huh? Yeah, definitely. I think in my own experience in my own household, uh, my partner is out in the back doing the farm routine. And- <laughs> You know, so those are going to be 20 less squash he's not going to buy at the market, right? So, I mean, that, yeah. you know, so it's, I love it. it's all going on everywhere, you know. Man, so that's, well, uh, that's Keith, we got to work a little, with a little deal, uh, a little squash supply chain. There might be a bucket coming your way because it's a big okay. plot of land out there. So. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, really enjoying the conversation. We're going to take a, a little bit of a right turn here uh, in just a moment. But uh, Greg and Keith, y'all make quite a nice one-two punch. Uh, you know, we maybe we can we can tee up the next episode. It'd be like the supply chain version of chips, and we have both of y'all on your on your uh, motor uh, cycles talking supply chain. We'll see if the production team can. Uh, Keith, would you be game for that? I sure would. Yeah, <laughs> you want to? Okay. Do you want to be Eric Estrada or? Uh, I forget. I, I only know the character's Ponch, name. John. Ponch and John. Ponch and John. Ponch and John. Right? John. You want to be Ponch John, or John? Classic. <laughs> uh, I think I'm probably more Ponch like. Okay. So John Sweet. is actually the the more reasonable guy. Oh man, I, that means I, yeah, I have to be the reasonable one. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, we can reverse it. <laughs> All right, so coming no, to a, a live stream. <laughs> it'll be a good exercise. coming to a live stream here in you. <laughs> supp- supp- uh, supply chain version of chips yeah uh going mobile um okay and Rahil, we'll see if we can't get to your uh question here in a moment uh but first we want to tackle this um this notion that uh, we heard about here in the last few weeks um friend shoring friend shoring so as we were talking pre-show that's that name sounds a bit hokey but the concept behind it is something that I bet a lot of folks can get around. So this term friendshoring was used in a mid-July speech in South Korea made by uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Basically, it's a play on onshoring, nearshoring, you know, but calls for supply chain collaboration really focused on allied countries, right? Friends. So, Keith, um, this notion of friendshoring, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, friend-shoring, near-shoring, offshoring, reshoring. I think the end, once you take the politics out of it, it's the same for the buyer. Buyer's looking for a predictable supply chain at the lowest cost. And so all every one of those terms has happened. Even global, you know, going offshore has been an issue of trying to look for stability in the supply chain at the lowest cost in order to attest 
the increase of cost of the product sitting on the shelves. And, and so I don't, and the, the names are always dressed up a little bit for politic right. reasons, but the, the reality is kind of the same in all those efforts. Every good buyer, every good supply chain manager is looking for ways to get stability and get lower costs in their supply chain. And that can be anywhere in the world. And, and that's why that quest has always been there. It's been there for at least the last 20 years. And I think that's going to kind of continue. I do think it's a good warning uh, that, you know, policies are going to start getting harder with nations that don't exactly follow the same path that we want to follow. And as a result of that, um, once you had it start with the prior administration, it's being continued with this administration. That means it right. becomes a policy that transcends politics around party affiliation. Uh, and that's a warning that we have to, as supply chain managers, we have to be able to adjust to new sourcing patterns and new changes within the supply chain that are coming. And I actually think it was a good warning. Uh, I'm with you near sourcing, you know, whatever you want to call it, friend right. sourcing. Uh, but it's a, it's a shift to say to us in the supply chain, hey, for the long term, you better start planning for change from where you've historically sourced from. And that's kind of how we're taking it. So, mm. you know, Keith uh, and Greg coming to you next, we'll get your thoughts here, but you know, we've seen in recent years more and more, you know, I, I, countries probably since the beginning of time have uh, leveraged, I won't, I won't say weaponized uh, raw goods and, and global supply chains, but man, we sure are seeing a lot more of that in recent years some with national security implications for sure. Uh, but Greg, your thoughts on this notion of uh, friend shoring and, and what Keith just shared there. Keith might want to turn his camera off so he doesn't make a reaction that's going to get him in trouble with the bosses. <laughs> Are you f kidding me? Um, of, of course, of course, people started with friend shoring. This is, to, to echo what Keith said, it's a signal of a policy change. Nobody went first to the Russians and Chinese and said, hey, you, you despots, you want to make this stuff for us? Of course, we exhausted, every, the, we exhausted the, the capacity of every one of our allies before we went to the enemy, frankly. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's political grandstanding. It's, you know, it's popular speak. It's a way to seem relevant. But no one chose China because for any reason other than price and because capacity literally cannot be accumulated among dozens of other countries. And at the time that everyone went to China, India's infrastructure was even less established than it is now. So we couldn't really go to anyone who was remotely friendly. So um, I, I think what we have to understand here is this is a lot of politics. It is policy signaling, and it's good that Keith and others hear that so that they can respond to that. Um, but this isn't news to anyone, and and it's cute and Pollyannish and all of that. But it's unattainable. I mean, if it mm. if it were attainable, we'd already be doing it, right? Right. So um, you know, we know we know the BRIC countries are not the ideal business partners, but what choice do we have at this point? So um, I, I I think it's it's great to to talk about. My concern is that the policy does more damage than good because. Policy often means things like tariffs and whatever else, but my concern is that it could really do more harm than good. Um, and and when it uh, anyway, we we don't know what 
direction policy is going to take, but we know that it's going to be incomplete whenever produced by politicians and that there will be a slew of unintended consequences coming out of it. So Mm. watch your back, Keith. That's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Well, great take. And as always, Greg does not, he tells it like it is. I appreciate that, Greg. And Keith, I appreciate your perspective as well. We're we're talking about this notion of friend shoring uh, that uh, Secretary Yellen uh, included in a speech. Uh, Gary says, uh, friendshoring is becoming more important, especially as U.S.-China relations develop. And that's putting it kindly, uh, Gary. Yeah, I think you meant I to type devolve there, not develop. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, no kidding. But, you know, I mean, uh, there are lots of ways we could, I, we, I would consider the U.S. a friend to the U.S., wouldn't you, Scott? Yeah, and yet, absolutely. And yet we're overseas begging one of the most despotic, despicable, and dangerous um, dictatorships on the planet for oil. So, Mm. uh, and at the same time, by the way, we're, (laughs) I love the irony of this, at the same time, we're um, decrying the move of a few golfers from the PGA to this Saudi Arabian tour as well, right? So, we'll have to cover. dig the irony of politics, man. Right. Golf, uh, gosh, Interesting. We'll have to save that for another show. Uh, but Keith, um, I want to circle back, uh, moving on to a couple resources that we've got. And by the way, Nazrin, I meant to say hello. Greetings. Great to have you back. I think you joined us for a live stream uh, not too long ago uh, from Iran uh, via LinkedIn. Great to have you here today. Love Look forward to your perspective. A um, couple of uh, resources that I want to make sure that oh, yeah. um, we got from the UPS team we're going to put out there. And Keith, we'll have a couple of final questions and observations for you. But first off, um, I want to share this UPS supply chain insights that we've got. I want to invite our listeners to check out um, this resource center, events, uh, offers, um, perspectives, you know, actionable perspectives. Check this out. Um, you can subscribe. You can check it out. Uh, you can also opt in to the emails, which uh, offers a lot of these uh, delivered uh, on time and in full to your email inbox every morning. Uh, so, Keith, you're, you and your team work overdrive beyond the uh, – you like that, Greg? I love on uh, time and the, full. <laughs> oh, good old OTIF. The real beyond on the time Yes. Uh, not this late, late uh, Johnny Come Lately version, but Keith, your team works overdrive beyond your core services that you offer, and creating these other value-added um, ways to, uh, um, you know, better inform your customers and and buyers and, and the whole nine yards. That's really an important aspect of y'all's approach to business, huh? Yeah, I think uh, you know we, and we're over the last. 20 years, we've kind of like built this really comprehensive portfolio of products and we're best when we bundle the two together. So really good brokerage connectivity with transportation provides a really good service for the, for the customers. There's other ones too. Uh, preferred LCL is another example where we take LCL into the country and then we do my domestic air freight operation, connects, picks it up at the port and then accelerates the final mile. So, you know, one of the comments was east coast to west coast right there's a solution you know if you get it out of the hands of the rail and get it out of the hands of trucking and put it into the domestic air freight business market that we have and then it moves as a priority three days from the port out to a point in the u.s so 
We like to bundle those services together. You know, obviously it's an advantage for us because we have this portfolio to do that. Right. Um, but we're moving more and more into trying to look for opportunities to take the parts of the good of the whole, combine it together and build something better for customers on a solution by solution basis. And I think that's where we're at, especially when it's volatile yep. and unpredictable. You have to come up with those kind of new opportunity solutions for, for customers. So. You know, Keith, I'm glad you shared that because, uh, Greg, as sometimes I have a habit of doing, I jumped over a couple of questions I had for Keith. And one of them was better understanding what UPS does when it comes to the freight forwarding space. And, Keith, you were just speaking to that uh, a bit. Um, and, you know, goodness, when we were sitting here talking with Keith, um, quite an SME and a guru here when it comes to getting stuff where it needs to be. Uh, but Keith, what else would you add? You know, it, folks that may be new to that aspect of, of UPS, you know, there, there's not too many folks that are new to UPS, but that component of what you do, what else would you add to that, Keith? Yeah, I, I mean, we continually invest in industry segments. Uh, we just announced this morning we're purchasing a company in Europe, uh, BAMI, uh, I think it is, uh, international, and uh, the BAMI group. Uh, and that is for our healthcare. Uh, logistics build out uh, that we've been doing over the last couple of years within our uh, our products or within our company. Uh, that's an additional access, 14 co- uh, countries, 350 vehicles, 3,000 employees uh, that we're going to be adding in really to support healthcare and specific healthcare supply chain logistics. So mm. you're going to see more of that from us going forward. Uh, you know, how do we build out really important uh, industry segments is we really want to we want to move what matters to our customers, uh, and uh, you know that becomes areas like healthcare and some of the other businesses we do um, mm. that support that. And so those are areas we're going to be investing in going forward as a company. Well, Keith, Keith, congrats, uh, congrats on the, the the deal this morning. You're talking Greg's language when it comes to that for sure. Uh, and Greg, we were part <laughs> we were part of uh, uh, a, a fascinating. Speaking of healthcare, uh, healthcare discussion with the UPS team as they were kind of in the thick of the noble mission of getting the um, uh, the, the um, vaccine out. Vaccine, yeah, thank you. Vaccine out globally. That was a, a really neat conversation. But Greg, what else? Based on what Keith shared there, and, and kind of where the UPS team's going, what they're investing in, or what they do when it comes to freight forwarding. Your thoughts, Greg. Yeah, well, I mean, that is a great awakening because I honestly hadn't really thought of transferring it to an aircraft. I know that sounds dumb. I don't do this every day, <laughs> Keith. You might not have noticed that. But, but it, I mean, it makes perfect sense if you need to get it from, from east to west and you need to do so rapidly instead of putting it on a truck, put it on an aircraft. I, I'm curious, Keith, uh, um, how, are, how are you fixed for uh, air air ports near the Georgia inland port, or do you, do you guys use that port? Yeah. So what we'll do is, so, you know, we bring it in uh, LCL container, we'll break it down, split out the standard LCL from the preferred LCL, preferred LCL will get recovered, brought into the closest hub we have. And then from there, it'll be entered into our air freight network. Some of it rides in the air. Some of it will ride in the dedicated truck system we have for our deferred product. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's kind of how the product moves within our our network itself. Uh, So it's, uh, you know, our our 
the, our air freight or our deferred network, or, which is like a three-day network, rides on the road. So the majority of it will end up there every once in a while. We'll actually put it on a plane itself. So, Very cool. Interesting. We're going to get cool. a tour of, of some of these facilities, uh, especially related sure. to air cargo, Keith. We'll have to, <laughs> to uh, make that happen uh, at a later date. But I got a tour um, of the of the parcel of a couple of parcel facilities when some buddies of mine in college were working, working there and making a bundle, by the way. I mean, you know, tough hours, Keith, I'm sure you've seen it. If not done it, um, it's hard work, but man, um, the, and this was frankly in the eighties and the efficiency for the timeframe was incredible. So, um, it's amazing what these facilities can do these days. Yeah, I think uh, Hub World Port is a fantastic opportunity to see it. It's, you know, the planes start lining up at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and they all land and take off by 3. It's a it's a crazy period of five hours worth, uh, worth seeing if you get an opportunity to, to see how freight moves. It's got to be a YouTube channel for it, don't you think? <laughs> there's probably something you could search and find. In there. Don't you think? It's, it's, I mean, there's got to be. There's uh, one for everything. Yeah. yeah, supply chain symphony, uh, undoubtedly supply chain symphony. Um, folks, we did drop uh, the links to the resources that uh, me and Keith touched on earlier. Uh, UPS supply chain news and insights. Y'all check that out. And we also dropped uh, for the email subscription if you want to sign up to that. So it's delivered to your inbox. Uh, Udif. Um, all right. So, Keith, as we start to wrap up your time here today, really enjoyed it. We kind of had a, a wide, a broad conversation uh, from you know, air cargo, of course, to uh, international uh, policy making and trade, and even a, a dose, a little touch of the uh, uh, economic conditions. Um, but if folks want to get involved in the squash supply chain, since you're, you're, that's also an area <laughs> that you're getting into. <laughs> getting aside, if folks want to, you know, um, compare notes with you, connect with you, connect with your team, how would you suggest that happens? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is probably uh, hit my LinkedIn. Uh, is the best way to do it. They want to connect. And then there's a group that's on there that shares uh, regularly. Uh, obviously looking for content, not a lot of sales, uh, right. but <laughs> you know, we'll weave through that when it happens. Uh, and, uh, but that's uh, one way uh, to reach out, connect, and then uh, start there. So. That you said it really nicely, Keith, you said it really nicely, Greg, uh, give us a straight. If you're trying to sell something, don't send one of those LinkedIn in-mails. Is that right, Greg? Right in the garbage. <laughs> right in the garbage. That's right. But Keith, I'm sure, and his team, clearly uh, well-connected, making it happen every day, uh, do welcome uh, industry conversations, I imagine. Um, okay, Keith, had a pleasure uh, yeah. chatting with you today. Me and Greg had a blast. Yeah, um, one final question, and then we're going we're gonna, to uh, bid you adieu. What's the next as you, as you break your bike out, because uh, it's you know it'll be nice crisp, um, you know I'm I'm wishful thinking, but it's gonna be nice crisp early fall weather soon. Very wishful thinking. What's uh, one of the next trips you've got for the bike? Well, about? unfortunately, the bike can go for eight hours, but me on the bike can only go for about two hours. So <laughs> if if you plot up the distance from my house to the closest drinking establishment with two hours out, that's about as far as that radius goes. You know, around hey. that. So. Keeping at home uh, in, in the backyard. I really love that good Keith. barbecue in a two-hour, right? Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Barbecue, farmer's market, and a quick adult beverage and call it a day. Yeah. Uh, Keith, 
Well, Keith, always a pleasure. We look forward to having you back. We enjoyed uh, talking with a lot of members of the UPS team um, uh, just about on a monthly basis here at Supply Chain Now. But big thanks to Keith Andre, president of UPS U, uh, U.S. Operations and Freight Forwarding. Keith, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Greg. Scott. You bet. All right, Greg. Uh, man, it was certainly a wide-ranging conversation uh, with Keith. Um, I think he could weigh in and inform us on a wide variety of topics, huh? Well, he's doing the doing not just for UPS, but think about how many companies UPS interacts with. So, yeah, of course, he sees what's be, what's operating every day and clearly is keeping it, I mean, as president, is keeping abreast of what's going on in the macro environment, in the political environment, in the international environment that, that uh, can impact that. I think that's really important. Look, I think we as supply chain practitioners globally have become aware of all these influences because of one predominant influence and the subsequent shock and aftershocks that have been placed on the supply chain. And now we have this incredible visibility. We cannot hide anymore, right? I think we may have gotten a little more visibility than we were ready for really, really fast. But um, look, people in supply chain are resilient and Keith shows that he's got a, he's got a broad range perspective, but he's getting the getting done every single day as well. So well said, Greg. Uh, Stephen, yes, uh, the replay will be available across social uh, in just an hour or two, and then we'll drop the uh, podcast, the audio replay on our global podcast RSS feed. So, Stephen, you will be able to engage in the full conversation there for sure. And you can ask the questions. Um, if you do it in LinkedIn, you can ask the questions in the commentary for the video, right? So, well said. Or on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and, and Stephen, since you're asking, uh, you may have missed the resources. Uh, so check out the links in the chat. We mainly focused on, um, let's see, I'm going to get this name right. Uh, it's UPS Supply Chain Insights. Uh, so it's, it's a, a broad range of, of different resources to help keep uh, customers and prospective customers alike informed and in the note. Okay. So Greg, always a pleasure. Keith hit a home run like we knew he would here today. I've enjoyed his perspective and him weighing in on things. Um, Enjoy having these conversations with you. We should say a big thanks to the production team, uh, Amanda, Clay, Chantel, Catherine, you name it. They all help us uh, make today's uh, show, shows like today happen. Big thanks to everyone that showed up in the comments. Big thanks to our guest, uh, Keith and Natalie and the whole UPS team. Greg, but if our listeners take anything away, Hey, it's time to act. Deeds, not words. Act on the information you heard Keith drop here and all the folks in the comments. Uh, on behalf of our entire team, Scott Luton signing off for now, challenging you, all of our listeners, to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.